this month of August, I want to look at the topic of revival. Somebody say revival. Amen. Um, there's two definitions I want to share with you. I believe Ethan could put it in the chat. Did I share the notes with you? Um, the first one is um, from a book called The Global Awakening, How 20th Century Revivals Triggered a Christian Revolution by um, Mark Shaw. And that definition is this. Revival is the work of the Holy Spirit in restoring the people of God to a more vital spiritual life witness and work by prayer and the word after repentance in crisis or their spiritual decline. That was a lot. Wow. All right. So another one of my favorite books, if, if you love to read, you got to try to get this book. It's a series of three books by uh, Dr. Len Sweet and Frank Viola. And one of them is called Jesus Manifesto. And this is what they put about revival. Every revival and restoration in the church has been a rediscovery of some aspect of Christ in the process of answering this critical question. In fact, three features are present, present in every awakening in the history of the Christian church. One, the rediscovery of the living word. That's what we're going to look at today or the scripture as its authority. Two, a rediscovering of the loving Christ and his supremacy. Three, a rediscovering of the living spirit uh, and the spirit's gift and power to manifest Christ in the context of culture. God has a history of taking seriously people who take God's word seriously. That's a powerful quote. And I believe, brothers and sisters, that there's times in our life where we have to be reminded of what's truly important in our, in our faith. We have to be reminded of God's grace, glory, and grandeur. We have to be a sparked to recommit ourselves that every member of this church participates in the mission of the church. And in every gathering, the centrality of our gathering is Christ to be revealed, unveiled, glorified, and magnified. And people walking away saying, wow, we got a sighting in our spirit of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, having a relationship with the Lord is more than just getting out of hell. It's about getting a little heaven into where you're at now. And you're like, oh, Pastor Ed, you preach a revival, brother. What that got to do with me? Brothers and sisters, we all need a revival. Some of us, we need a revival in our relationships. We need God to revive our marriages, our relationships, our friendships. Some people need a revival in their career. They've lost sight of focus and discipline and got caught up in some bad chemistry situations. Some people need a revival in their commitment to their health, commitment to their family, whatever commitments you've made at this stage and age and wage of your life. We need a revival, a reviving of our commitments and vows. It's not easy, fam, to stay faithful, focused, and fruitful. Can I hear an amen? It's not easy to stay faithful, focused, and fruitful. Listen, King David had 20 sons, but only one reigned. King David had 20 sons, 
and only one makes a significant impact. Brothers and sisters, there's too much attrition and atrophy in the body of Christ. I'm going to say that again. There's too much attrition and atrophy in the body of Christ. Have you ever met somebody that's been serving the Lord 20 years, you lost contact, and you come back together? Many times that person has not grown in the realms of walking in Christ. They have not grown in discipleship. They have not grown in spiritual maturity. They have not grown in grace. But that's not going to happen here, brothers and sisters. Here at Summit Church, we're committed to continue to flow, grow, and glow with the Holy Spirit. So when I say the word attrition and atrophy, I, I need you to, to, to capture this, this definition, right? When I say attrition, the definition I, I want to bring out this morning, maybe Ethan could put it in the chat, is the action or process of gradually reducing the strength or effectiveness of someone or something through sustained attack or pressure. Oh, that's a sermon. Too many people in the body of Christ are suffering from attrition, the action or process of gradually reducing the strength and effectiveness of someone or something through sustained attack. How many people know the devil is, is looking like a roaring lion, prowling, and pressure? How many people know that in the ways of this world, there's constant pressure, financial pressure, relationship pressure? When I say attrition, I say that, a gradual reduction of strength. We got to come against that in Jesus' name. We got to grow stronger and stronger in our faith. When I say atrophy, the definition I want to bring out is the gradual decline in effectiveness or rigor due to underuse or neglect. Ay, 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 that's a word. Ooh. A gradual decline in effectiveness. There's too many people in the body of Christ who are gradually declining in effectiveness. And only revival could reverse that course. Gradual de decline in effectiveness or rigor due to underuse or neglect. That happens in our health. That happens in our finances. That happens in our relationships. But brothers and sisters, God brought you to a church that's going to preach Jesus. And that's going to remind you that God has called us to grow. And called us to keep that fire. Somebody say, keep that fire. Remember Moses, Exodus chapter 3, verse 1 through 4. It says, one day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness. and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of the bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. Oh, somebody's going to stay on fire for the rest of their life. I must go see it. Ooh, that's a word of evangelism right there. If a church can keep the fire for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, people want to see it. Verse 4. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush. Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Brothers and sisters, God is looking for people who are going to keep that fire and never burn out. Let's look at our, our main man, the Apostle Paul, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6-8. through eight. 
Maybe Ethan can put it in the chat this morning. Thank you, Brother Ethan. As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. He's ready to die. The time of my death is near. Verse 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have remained faithful. He didn't say I'm most powerful. I have the biggest ministry. I'm better than Peter, James, and, and John. He said, I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. How many people want to finish the race? So turn with me to your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 22. We're going to read verse 3 to 20. And then we're going to read chapter 23, verse 21 through 25. 2 Kings. I hope somebody's learning something this morning. Can I get an amen in the chat, fam? We're looking at 2 Kings. We're going to read a lot of scriptures this morning, but that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Can I hear an amen? I'm going to be reading from the NLT, the New Living Translation. On the 18th year of his reign, King Josiah sent Jephon, son of Azaliah, and the grandson of Meshulam, the court secretary, people had jobs, amen, to the temple of the Lord. He told them, go to Hilkiah, the high priest, and have him count the money the gatekeepers have collected from the people at the Lord's temple. Entrust this money, verse 5, to the men assigned to supervise the temple's restoration and rebuilding the temple. Then they can use it to pay workers to repair the temple of the Lord. They will need to hire carpenters, builders, and masons, and have them buy the timber and the finished stones needed to repair the temple. Oh, God's grace is free, but there's going to be a course for God's place. But don't require the construction supervisors to keep an account of the money they receive, for they are honest and trustworthy men. Verse 8. Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan, the court secretary, I have found the book of the law, which is probably the book of Deuteronomy, in the Lord's temple. Then Hilkiah gave the scrolls to Shaphan, and he read it. And Shaphan went to the king and reported, the officials have turned over the money and collected all the temples, the Lord's workers uh, at the Lord's workers and supervisors at the temple. Verse ten, Shaphan told also told the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a scroll. So Shaphan read it to the king. When the king heard what was written in the book of the law, he tore his clothes in despair. Then he gave these orders to Hilkiah the priest and Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, and Akbor, the son of Micaiah, Shaphan, the court secretary, and Aziah, the king's personal advisor. He said, go to the temple and speak to the Lord for me and for the people and, all, and for all Judah. Inquire about the words written in this scroll that has been found. For the Lord's great anger is burning against us because of our ancestors have not obeyed the word of this scroll. We have not been doing everything that says we must do. So Hilkiah the priest, Hankam, 
Akbar, Shapham, and Azaziah went to the new quarter of Jerusalem to consult with the prophet Hulda, who was a woman of God. Amen. She was the wife of Shalom, son of Tifka, son of Hahas, the keeper of the temple's wardrobe. Everybody had a job. Amen. That, 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 that's when you have a, a, a ministry of ownership. Everybody has a job. She said to them, the Lord, the God of Israel has spoken. Go back and tell the men who sent you. This is what the Lord says. I am going to bring disaster to the city and the people. All the words written in the scroll that the king of Judah has read will come true. For my people have abandoned me and offered sacrifices to pagan gods. And I'm very angry with them for everything they have done. My anger will burn against this place and will not be quenched. Go to the king of Judah who sent you to uh, seek the Lord and tell him this is what the Lord God of Israel says concerning the message you have heard. You were sorry and humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I said against the city and the people, that this land will be cursed and become desolate. You tore your clothes in despair and wept before me in repentance. Brothers and sisters, you don't hear that word a lot. Repent. Repentance. Repentance always precedes revival. We got to be people that repent when we don't get it right. I have indeed heard you, says the Lord. So I will not send a promised disaster to after you have died and been buried in peace. You will not see the disaster I am going to bring to the city. So they took her message back to the king. I'm going to read a little bit more scriptures. Chapter 23. Chapter 23. Second Kings 23. We're just going to read 21 through 25. So King Josiah then issued this order to all the people. You must celebrate the Passover to the Lord your God as required in this book of the covenant. There had not been a Passover celebration like that since the time when the judges ruled in Israel, nor throughout the, king, the years of the kings of Israel or Judah. This Passover was celebrated to the Lord in Jerusalem on the 18th year of King Josiah's reign. Josiah also got rid of the mediums and psychics, the household gods, the idols, and every other kind of detestable practice, both in Jerusalem and throughout the land of Judah. He did this in obedience to the laws written in the scroll that Hilkiah the priest had found in the Lord's temple. Never before had there been a king like Josiah, who turned to the Lord with all his heart and soul and strength, obeying all the laws of Moses, and there has never been a king like him since. So this is a big idea, right? The renewal experience by Israel during the during the reign of King Josiah begin with the return, the discovery and return of the Word of God. Right? They found this. One guy said he found a book, and then he was like, "That's not just a book. That's the law. That's the book of Deuteronomy." You know? And so, brothers and sisters, revival and renewal, I believe, begins when we repent and renew our commitment to the Word of God. See, to the extent we devote ourselves to the Scriptures, we will experience a revival in faith in our lives together. See, many of us, we associate revival with different things, right? I grew up in church. I It was like, oh, this pastor from California is coming, and they're going to preach four days straight. Or... We're going to sing a lot of songs. It's a revival. We're going to go to another city and sing a lot of songs for like an hour and a half till your hands hurt and your feet hurt. Um, but that's more than, revival is more than that. Revival is a personal commitment made by a collective of people. 
of God will move. Revival takes place at particular times for particular people, but they share the passion and pattern of an initial state of spiritual malaise or decline, followed by spiritual renewal, prayer, reliance on the word, and a transformed commitment to the life of faith by the whole community. Revivals understood to the fullest must incorporate a spiritual, structural, and even social transformation. Right? We repent, we reflect, we renew our commitment to the word of God and our place in God's house. You know, in popular culture, they're always going to make a caricature of the church. Bill Mars never going to say nothing good about the church. Saturday Night Live is never going to say nothing good about the church because that's not their job. That's not the world's job. The world's job is to try to humiliate us, is to try to, to get us to have uh, amnesia to the anointing, to get us not to be sanctified. But true revival changes people. You know, you ever heard of one of the best pastors in the whole world? He's in East New York. His name is Bishop A.R. Bernard. And at one time, he was a Muslim, right? I, he might have been part of the Fruit of Islam. And he was a manager at Chemical Bank. And he had a Spanish secretary. And she invited him to hear uh, evangelist Nikki Cruz. Nikki Cruz is a powerful evangelist. He's from Fort Greene, Brooklyn. Uh, he's, he's, he's a major part of the history of our old, our old denomination, the Brothers and Sisters at Victory Outreach International. And so he invited him to hear Nicky Cruz. Now, Nicky Cruz speaks some serious broken Spanish, right? He sounds like he's preaching in reggaeton. And broken English, I should say. And he went to this church. He didn't understand what Nicky Cruz was saying, but the conviction of the Holy Spirit was tangible in that place. And Brother A.R. Bernard gave his life to Christ in that revival service. That church was having a revival. They called Nikki Cruz. Everybody was using their social capital to build the kingdom. I mean, think about it. A.R. Bernard is a serious brother. I can't imagine him not, like, how serious he was before he was saved. And this woman of God invited him to hear Nikki Cruz. And the Holy Spirit took over, and now he has the biggest church. I believe one of the biggest churches in the United States Definitely the biggest church in New York City, and he's a spiritual, uh, he disciples uh, Denzel Washington and many other people. Revival. Revival touches people. A.R. Bernard has touched this city. So, going back to the scripture, revival takes place in the, king, in the reign of King Josiah, followed by a period, like, before Josiah, there was, there was a deep sin and corruption. Josiah's grandfather, Manasseh, who reigned for like 55 years, according to 2 Kings chapter 21, did evil in God's sight. He sacrificed one of his own sons in the practice of the occult. Manasseh's son, Amon, did no better because he followed in his father's ways. And his own men murdered him. And the nation of Israel was yet at another low point until Amon's son, Josiah, came to an age and came into power. And the Bible says he never turned to the left or the right. And at, at, when he was 18, the priest, Hilkiah, discovered the book of the law. Now, Hilkiah, I believe, is the grandfather of the prophet Jeremiah. So there's something to say about legacy. Many of you guys are breaking generational curses and releasing generational blessings that will impact the body of Christ for many years to come. 
And so they find this book, they read this book, they get convicted, convinced, and they make reform. See, it's not just emotions, revival. They also did reformation. And they made some reforms to go back to first principle thinking, first principle faith. And then revival began. Can I hear an amen? So I'm done. I said a lot. We know, unfortunately, after COVID, many people have stopped reading the Word of God. Um, there's there's a bunch of surveys on it. Um, number of Bible users dropped 50%, from 50% to 39%. 25 million people no longer consult the Bible, even three to four times a year. And we know that revival begins with repentance and a recommitment to the Scriptures. So this morning, I want to pray that you, you and I will fall in love with reading God's Word, that we'll be re-engaged to reading the Scripture. You know, one thing Sister Anna and I are committed to doing in the month of August is reading a small epistle every week together, doing a Bible study on it and reading on it. I would like to do something else. I would like to get a few of you guys and read um, New Testament summaries together on Facebook Live. We do all this because we want to spark a revival. And we know revival begins with repentance and a return of the scriptures. This morning, can I pray for you? Can I pray that revival will begin today in your life? Not just in Summit Church, but a revival maybe in this city. You know, crime is rising up. And maybe we could play a small part through our prayers, through prayer walking in the street, through uh, bearing the fruit of the spirit that we can take a small part in impact. Amen? So I'm praying for you. I want to pray for you right now for repentance. I want to pray for you right now for our love for God's Word and a commitment to reading God's Word. Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. And we pray for everyone here. We repent corporately and individually of idols, of distraction. We refocus our life. Lord, we want to make an impact. We want to enjoy our salvation. We want to enjoy this walk with you. And we want to build this church together. Give us a love for your word. Give us a love for your word. Give us an excitement to study, reflect, and apply your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And we say amen and amen. Let me stop the recording and reopen the slides for you this morning.